Welcome to the Solo Date Challenge Podcast with your host, life coach, domestic violence advocate, and author, Holly Hartman. The Solo Date Challenge Podcast focuses on the three S's, self-care, self-love, and solo dating. Holly will take you on a journey to learn to love yourself through intentional and unapologetic solo dating, no matter your relationship status. This is for all women of all ages. We help you go from burnout and just surviving to thriving and loving life again. We are so glad you joined us on this journey. Make sure you click subscribe on your favorite podcast player to get notified of when new weekly episodes are downloaded. You can contact us or find out more information about solo dating and get plugged into our free women's community group of thrivers on Facebook, Instagram, or at solodatechallenge.com. Please share and tag us, hashtag solodatechallenge. Today's episode is sponsored by life transformation coach, Holly Hartman. If you are wanting to accelerate your healing and get additional support and guidance, Holly is currently accepting new one-on-one coaching clients. You can contact her at solodatechallenge.com and sign up for a free explore consultation call. On today's episode, Holly Hartman will share ideas and tips on one of the three S's, self-care. She will share important tools for recognizing that self-care is not selfish. Instead, self-care is necessary for us to thrive and live fulfilled lives. Now, here's your host, Holly Hartman. Hello, my name is Holly Hartman, and I am the host of the Solo Date Challenge podcast. And with Solo Date Challenge, we empower people to learn to love themselves through intentional and unapologetic solo dating, no matter your relationship status. So this is for all people of all ages. And I say all people of all ages is because now we have a men's group. So we don't just focus on women anymore. We actually have men's uh, a men's group. And today I am super excited because I have a male voice here to share about his journey um, and also talking about self-care and self-love. So Mr. J, so glad that you are here. And I'm so honored that you're here here. And I'm going to introduce Mr. J and tell you a little bit about himself. And then I'm going to let him share about him. So Mr. J is a betrayal trauma practitioner and an interpersonal relationship coach. Um, He holds a master's degree in education, ministry credentialed, and a certified education teacher and an author of a children's book called I Am Loved Right Where I Am. Oh, love that. A veteran of the United States military. Thank you for your service. And an inspirational public speaker and an adoptive parent and so much more. So Jay, welcome. Welcome to Solidate Challenge podcast. And share a little bit about yourself. Where are you calling in from? And, and uh, what, what are we here to talk about today? All right. Well, first of all, Holly, I appreciate you giving me this opportunity um, and thank you so much. And uh, thank you for acknowledging my service. I appreciate that. Um, So uh, I'm calling from the uh, great New York state, uh, upstate New York, actually. And, um, you know, uh, nobody goes into investigating trauma for no reason, obviously. Um, You know, I think one of the, the things I realized from doing this is I wanted to take the lessons from my trauma to help others that were given pain to prevent themselves from future suffering. Now, let me just quickly explain that. Holly, if I call you right now, frog breath, right? Okay. I just offended you. I just insulted you. I just 
gave you pain. I, 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 I called you frog breath. So you now have pain because of me. What you do with that now is up to you. So if you want to spend the next several days saying, I can't believe Mr. J, he embarrassed me. He said that I can't wait till the next time I talk to him, I'm going to give him a bit. Well, now you're causing your suffering. So people give us pain, but we give ourselves suffering. And that's one of the things I want to do is help others by using the lessons of my trauma to prevent them from future, uh, from, from, from giving them future suffering. That's one of the things that, um, that I want to do. Cause I always say, no one in the history of mankind has ever died from a snake bite. No one has ever died from a snake bite. What people die from is the venom that gets into their bloodstream, gets into their veins and goes to their heart. Mm -hmm. So we can be given a profound amount of pain and, and trauma and betrayal is profound pain, but we have to do the work to prevent it from getting into our system and our soul and our heart and jading us. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a lot of what my journey is too. That's why I share what I do and why I share so openly is because, you know, I, I want my test to be some, my testimony, my mess to be my message so people can learn from it and then hopefully shift and not suffer. So I, I very much relate to your story in that way. And I appreciate that you're here. So for my listeners, they may have never heard of betrayal trauma before. Do you mind kind of sharing about what betrayal trauma is or you as a betrayal trauma practitioner, what is it that you do? Sure. So um, nobody on the face of the earth is um, exempt from trauma, whether that's the little T or the big T trauma. Nobody um, on earth is exempt from betrayal, whether that's the little B or the big B. Um, people can uh, endure betrayal trauma from their parents, from their children, from a boss, a neighbor, a creator. Uh, people could be betrayed by themselves. I mean, how many times do you tell, you hear stories of, you know, I exercised and I meditated and I ate everything right and yoga, and then I had breast cancer. It's like, it's a self-betrayal or maybe a, they, they felt betrayed by a, um, a creator. Um, and most certainly there's betrayal trauma from a significant other, which is usually what my calls are all about. Um, you know, uh, I just was fixing my bed and I found a bunch of numbers under my mattress, you know, and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm on, I'm bear hugging the toilet, you know, on the verge of throwing up and crying in a fetal position. Um, so betrayal trauma is the trauma that's given to us via betrayal. And the reason betrayal trauma is different from other types of trauma is because other types of trauma, even though it's grossly, profoundly hurtful, it doesn't feel intentional. You know, if you lose a parent, God forbid, it's horrible. It's awful. That's traumatic. But you know that parent, you don't feel like that parent intentionally died to hurt you or to affect you. Now, side note, betrayal trauma happens to you, although it isn't about you. Um, so that's, you know, we, we decode all that, but that is the difference between a betrayal, uh, betrayal trauma and trauma. And as a betrayal trauma practitioner, one of the things that I like to do is help gently guide people through the stages and phases, um, of, you know, all those fancy buzzwords, you know, breakdown to breakthrough obstacle to opportunity, tears to transformation, blah, blah, blah. 
Yeah, no, I totally get that. And that um, there was a book on my own journey, um, The Betrayal Bond, that made a huge difference and impact. I'm not sure if you've read that one before or not, but um, I, I didn't understand this concept in the very beginning of what that looked like. And um, it was so eye-opening to me. Um, like you mentioned, I knew in the, the romantic relationship, the significant other relationship, I, I knew that was existing. But as I read the book, The Betrayal Bond, I realized in so many relationships I had experienced betrayal with, you know, growing up. And like you said, with your, your spirituality, your, your own self-betrayal, you know, all kinds of different things that show up that um, is really eye-opening to see that, that navigation in it. And then what you mentioned was that it, it has a different energy than just trauma in itself. And, and I believe that there's different elements of healing that need to be added in that you may not experience just kind of like with CPTSD, CPTSD versus PTSD. There's a little bit of a different energy with that that we need to implement. And I think self-care is one of those things that, um, <laughs> and that's why we talk about that so much on this podcast is starts with our own self-care because we can't control anybody outside of us. We can only control our own thoughts and our own actions. And that's one way to heal, to navigate from that. But, um, but the awareness that it even exists is really the first start because if we're unaware the betrayal trauma is even existing, it's really hard to know where to heal. So that's awesome that you help people that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, one, so you, you, uh, one of the things that, well, you said many great things, but one of the things that, that you made me think of is, you know, there's this thing called betrayal blindness. Mm -hmm. Um, and many people also call it the, um, red riding hood syndrome. So red riding hood, her mission was to see her grandmother. Mm -hmm. So despite the fact that she said, grandma, you have big, long teeth and, and your eyes are wide and your, your ears, she almost ignored all of those flags because she just wanted to see her grandmother. And we do the same thing. How many times after, after discovery of whatever betrayal it is, we say, oh my gosh, now that makes sense. Now I get why they were doing A, B, and C. Well, nine times out of 10, we actually saw those red flags. We felt those red flags. That energy level was right there. But our body, but what our body, what happens is we go through what's called betrayal blindness. So it almost happens on a subconscious level. Our body just says almost on a subconscious level, this is too much right now to grasp the gravity of what's about to happen if you realize this. So we're just going to subdue it. We're just going to brush it under the carpet for now because our bodies are not ready to deal with it. And that's betrayal blindness. But what happens, like I said, is, you know, once that blanket is lifted off and you do discover something, now you start asking yourself all these questions. And this is why I say betrayal is not about you, although it affects you greatly, you know, on a much smaller scale, much, much smaller scale. I'm talking about the top of a pin of a needle on a much smaller scale. It's like when you're driving down the street and you're just, you know, driving down the road, singing, whistling, thinking about whatever. And all of a sudden somebody zooms by you going hundred miles per hour. And you look at them and they stick their middle finger up at you because apparently you must've accidentally cut them off. And the whole time you're thinking, Whoa, Whoa, wait a minute. Hold, I'm a good person. I'm a decent person. I did what? And then you start thinking, what did I do wrong? Did I cut this part? Well, again, this wasn't about you, but yet it affected you. Mm -hmm. So then we start questioning our own, you know, decisions and all that. And that's what we do with betrayal too. What did I do? You know, is, is my butt too big and you weren't attracted to me? Did my breath smell in the morning and you left somebody else? You know, was I ugly? You know, we start questioning our own self. It has really nothing to do with us. Now, I will say though, having said that, 
I am all about self-care. I'm all about self-care. And one of the things that go along with that self-care is self-accountability and self-responsibility. Now, absolutely not for the betrayal itself. You, you can't hold a gun to somebody's head and tell them you know, to cheat or be unfaithful. That's on them. But you absolutely can be accountable and responsible for, for, for where you are in the relationship and what how this got to where it was in terms of what was I missing? What was I lacking? What was I refusing to see? And then most certainly self-care with, okay, our relationship just had a heart attack. <laughs> what lessons can I take from this? Trauma, th- listen, trauma isn't a gift. Well, I mean, some would argue it is. Trauma necessarily isn't a gift. It's if we choose the lessons that come out of trauma, that's a gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. I like that that a little analogy that allows anybody at whatever spectrum they're on in this experience can go, okay, I can, I can understand that concept. And then, you know, cause you may experience on a grander scale, it may be more, more covert, more subtle. Um, it, it made me think of a time when um, I had just recently got engaged and before we could even start planning the wedding, he was wanting us to go to grave sites to plan our plots for our, I'm like, who, who does that? <laughs> who plans their funeral before they plan their wedding? And while it's not like a glaring, it's like, but why did I just, but I remember my body. And that's where we also need to get to is, um, is tapping. Our minds might not tell us the same thing as what our bodies are telling us. So getting connected. I remember feeling really anxious. I remember, um, like feeling really drained when we were going to do it. Like I felt uneasy. I didn't know what, but I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't tap into that in myself and go, why do I feel this way? I'm like, no, I'm going to trust him. He's my new future husband. And we're just going to have this la 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 la. And this, like, I, it was this um, almost internal fight. And, and I let the, the fairy tale story take over just like little red riding hood. Um, but the reality was, is that my body was uncomfortable in that situation. And I didn't stand up for myself and that, and that's that self-accountability of like, Holly, you were uncomfortable. You should have said, no, it's not okay for me to do that. If you want to do that, you go for it. But I, that's not okay. That's not how I want to spend my energy today. And that's the shift that I do today that I didn't have the skills to do then. So I'm not, and this is one thing that I think I, I heard you talk about in another video is that we can't let the shame of the blindness paralyze us. And I don't know if those were your words, but shame is something that you talked about. And I talk about that a lot because our shame can paralyze us and make us think, okay, we're going to get stuck here because this was my experience and now experience shame and I'm just going to stay there. No. <laughs> yeah. Let's don't stay there because shame's not going to keep us. It, it won't help us learn the lesson and move forward. Certainly, certainly. Or do you have yeah. any thoughts on that? Well, a couple of things. First of all, I just, you know, in case the listeners, um, uh, I just want to uh, distinguish the difference between guilt and shame is guilt mm-hmm. is you feel bad for something you did uh, for the most part. Shame, you feel bad for who you are mm-hmm. um, as a person. That's number one. Number two, I want to say, you know, one of the things you said, you talked about flags and I love this because as we grow, um, we realize that red flags are no longer red flags. They're deal breakers. But without growing, without the gift of the lesson of working through our trauma, 
we would continuously um, encounter those red flags and just cough them up as red flags, not as deal breakers. You know, one of the great things, um, and I do not want to offend anyone, and I hope I don't, one of the things that I talk about is, you know, both men and women have two brains. Um, and, and, um, and, you know, women have their gut intuition, and men have their penis. And the difference oftentimes, not all the time, I don't want to generalize, but the difference is women usually have more of a tendency to follow their second brain, um, which is great. And unfortunately, men also have a tendency to follow their second brain, but it doesn't necessarily serve them. So one of the things that I try to help people do is reintroduce them to their gut instinct because, because that's, because listen, our brains our brain can, can, can manipulate us. Our brains can manipulate us and our heart can trick us, but we can, our, our gut can't lie to us. So if we get in tune with our gut and we form that strong relationship or tap back into it because we've kind of subdued it for so long, especially when we want to believe in this, you know, the fairy tale, or we want to give our parents the benefit of the doubt, or we don't want to question our boss or our kid or our neighbor or whatever, we, we kind of squash this, this, what, one of the things I want to do is re, uh, socialize them, reintroduce them to their gut instinct to say, this is the energy level we really need to be working on. Because if we follow that more often, obviously we, you know, we would stay out of trouble, but what happens is, you know, our brains, we start talking our minds into things. Uh, and then our, you know, and the next thing, you know, it's like, well, let's not follow our gut and our hearts get all, um, uh, uh, you know, discombobulated with the false information of the lie that we want. And in the meantime, we keep pushing our gut down. So, so following our instinct and, and working on our instinct to build up the strength of that is definitely key and core. Yeah, no, I love all that. Yeah. I've heard, um, talking about how we build up, like you said, build up that instinct. And, and a lot of what I experienced for myself was, uh, my own self-betrayal in that, like in that experience, betraying my gut. And so, like you said, so do you have any tips for anybody that's listening that um, is just kind of getting started? How do they build that self-trust back um, so they can trust their gut? Yeah. Well, so again, if, if they're at that point, cause, cause I wouldn't even be working on this at, you know, initially, but <laughs> if they're at the point where they're starting to work on their, um, their uh, gut again, one of the things that I would, um, do is just go down some of the basic differences, differences between like our gut and our ego. Cause I don't have to tell you so many times our ego kicks in, especially after betrayal. Um, and, 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 and that gives us more of a self betrayal because, because now we're not working on our gut. We're not trying. But one of the things that, um, I just want to say, as far as that very quickly and simple is usually our ego, um, as a quick example, usually our ego likes long conversations but our gut is more bullet point. Mm, that's a good. Yeah. So, so, so if we ever feel a bullet point, that's n- not always, but that's usually a tendency that it's our, our, our instinct talking. If, if, if there's a conversation going on, a paragraph going on, that's usually our ego that's, you know, trying to twist and contort our mind and, and, um, and all that stuff. But yeah, but, but certainly uh, in one of the, and, and actually this goes hand in hand, even, immediately starting uh, the self-care post-betrayal, because as you know, 
the 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 falling out the discovery day the falling out where you just feel like somebody took a knife to the, your stomach and all the contents came out you're lifeless breathless confused um paralyzed emotionally your brain is hijacked you got to start with the basics like you know what the sun's going to come out tomorrow i trust that and then when the sun comes out tomorrow and you see it okay okay i think i okay that's it fundamental i i you know, my five senses, what can I see right now? What can I hear? You got to get grounded because, you know, I'm sure many of your listeners, maybe you heard, you know, that whole tiger in the room theory. When you are, when you, when, if right now they placed you in a small bathroom with a hungry wild tiger, your brain is hijacked. You're not thinking you need to go back to the basics. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. Yeah. Back to the basics. It really is. And you, you see those memes or whatever the five, the get to your five senses. So really like look for something that you can see, yes. smell, touch, yes. uh, hear, you know, all those things to get you grounded. And then, then you get, cause one of the um, trauma responses typically that a lot of people experience is disassociation. So it's that out of body experience. And I know that when I was looking at cemetery plots, I was disassoci- disassociating. I was not in my body. So when we're not in our body, it's hard to make conscious um, gut decisions. Absolutely. We're really disconnected. And, and that's a survival skill. Uh, that that um, that trauma response is saving us, so to speak. Like you said, the tiger in the, in the room with us, our, our minds are like, nope, I'm not going to be in there. <laughs> yeah. I'm going over on the other side of the room. I'm not going to be there. But that doesn't serve us moving forward. So if we're not in the middle of trauma, trying to learn these skills to build this trust back up and, and while you're in the middle of trauma, but trying to get yourself out of that situation. But that's where having a skilled um, coach can help you navigate that because to get out of that on your own is very challenging. It's not, it's not impossible, but it's very challenging to do that because um, a lot of people do not, especially family and friends don't understand trauma. They can re-traumatize you even the right, not having the right counselor. I know that was my experience. I went to some some Christian counselors that I got re-traumatized by. And, you know, we, you have to really, if you, if you know for a fact you're dealing with trauma, really getting with a trauma specialist, somebody that is uh, either a trauma coach or a therapist that is trained in trauma, not all of them are, um, is really going to be your best solution to help you navigate that more smoothly and know that you're not alone. Um, But I also understand if you've experienced betrayal trauma, it's hard to trust people. (laughs) Like, who do I trust? Um, so maybe like, if you don't mind kind of sharing a little bit more about your coaching and how you might help somebody that might, so one of my listeners might be listening, go, okay, I need additional help. Do you have any suggestions for them? Yeah. You know, so a couple of things, depending on where the person is on the spectrum, because, you know, we could be talking to somebody right now who's currently hugging the toilet, screaming, no, 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 I can't believe this to somebody who's, you know what, I think I can do this. I think I got this there. The sun does come out tomorrow and I'm good. So really depending on where they are on the spectrum, one of the things that I try to do, and I'm just going to kind of go to the middle of the spectrum, you know, for now, one of the things I try to do is, um, work with number one, not necessarily what your relationship is, uh, is what did your relationship mean to you? So like, for instance, uh, my boyfriend cheated on me. Okay. I get that. I get that. What did your boyfriend signify? Did he signify safety? 
Did he signify, um, uh, um, was he, were you support, uh, depending on him financially, so did he signify, you know, survival? So it's not necessarily more or less, you know, who the person was, it was what, what did they mean to you? Um, you know, I, 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 I'm actually currently speaking to a woman right now who lost her father, and so she's traumatized. And one of the things that, you know, we're discovering is her father symbolized um, protection to her. So she feels now like a lost little girl who's unprotected in the world. So it was, you know, so, so, so number one, what, what did that relationship, what were the hooks in that relationship that, um, that symbolized, you know, whatever you're, you're lacking and feeling, that's number one. Number two, working a lot on your narrative. Um, so many times I hear, um, you know, I just had a baby and I, you know, my stomach isn't as flat as it was and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, well, that's your narrative. That, that is your narrative. We need to talk about your narrative because, you know, this has nothing to do with, with why A, B, and C happened. So what's the narrative? or you know, I'm unlovable, or I'm not this, or I'm not. So we really need to challenge our own narrative. Um, and then eventually as we go down the spectrum, one of the things I like to do is, um, and, and this is a deal changer for many, many, this is really what pivots people is, um, is compassion. Um, and again, you cannot talk about this early on, you cannot talk about, but one of the things I'll do is I need you to put yourself in the shoes of the person who hurt you. And I need you to write a letter, a compassionate letter about why you think they did what they did. What were they lacking? What were they need? Because nobody that has self-love, self-confidence, self this, self that goes and hurts somebody else. Right. They're, hurting. They're lacking something. They're hurting somewhere. Hurt people hurt people. You know that. Mm -hmm. So write a letter, you know, think from, um, from a compassionate standpoint. Now, some people can go into pity if they want, you know, whatever. But once they go into compassion, um, then all of a sudden their mindset is, wait a minute, they didn't set out. They didn't set out to hurt me. Because because let me just backtrack for a second. Imagine you're walking across a bridge that's a mile high, okay? Under this bridge is fiery lava that's, that's so hot you can feel it. Now, imagine you're, you're walking or you're following your spouse who's leading the way across the bridge. And Holly, you're holding your two young kids, one in each hand. So you're holding your two babies, one in each hand. You're walking across this bridge that, that's moving, that's scary. Lava's underneath you, fire, and you're following the most trusted person to get you across this bridge. And all of a sudden you see that you feel the bridge start moving and you're like, what's going on? Your heart's palpitating. Holly, all of a sudden the bridge collapses under you and you got your two babies on both your arms and you look up and your spouse is holding the hammer. They're the ones that collapse the bridge. You're, you're just, there's no word. There's no word. So you're just in survival mode. You're in, your, your brain's hijacked. So to go from that to, you know, a couple stages and phases down the road is let me have compassion. Some people are listening to this already turned you off. Oh, <laughs> the so no, I'm not having compassion for this jack bot. You know, but, but if you truly want healing, that is a point where that is a point where the light clicks on. That is a, that is a aha moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also in 12 step recovery groups and we talk about spiritually sick people of like just having compassion because most likely something happened to them 
along their journey. Multiple things. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And then they've learned that behavior. They may not, it's like, um, my Angelo, you can't know better until you do, or once you know better than you do better, you do know? Better. And so sometimes people have not had that experience and maybe if they have, you know, and there's also uh, mental health issues that are out there, there's all kinds of things. And that, you know, but, but what you're talking about too, is getting to that place of com- compassion also allows us to, um, to reframe it, to take it from a different place. Like you said in the beginning, it wasn't about you. So when we get to a place of compassion, we can look at them in like a, a different sense to just have a different perspective of it. And so when we get to reframe those experiences, then there is healing. And so there, like, I very much agree with you that that's a part of the journey, but like you said, it's not step one. No, (laughs) no, 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 no. You don't have to do this today or tomorrow, (laughs) but if you want ultimate healing there, there is a beautiful gift in that. And there really truly is for both you and your children and whomever else that's, that's been a part of that story. That's been a part of that journey. Um, there's an energy shift when you do that. Um, so I, I love the letter of, you know, I, I haven't heard, I mean, I've heard that concept before, but I love that implementation of that. That's a soft way to do it. Um, and, uh, I, I like that tip for anybody that might be at that stage right now and go, yeah. um, I I've gotten a lot of healing under my belt, but I feel like I'm missing something else. What else can I do to, you know, cause a lot of the people that have come to me are in a, they're, they've been on the journey for a while and they're seeking something more. And that's when they're getting into this self-care and self-love and like, okay, I can take myself on a solo date. I can do things for myself. So there, 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 there are people that are coming in survival mode, but they're most likely they've already kind of been in that entry point for a little while. And now they're like, what else? And so I probably do have some listeners that are like, oh, I like that concept of that compassion. And, or maybe they're probably like, I don't like that concept, but I like the healing that it will bring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and along with the compassionate letter, there's also, uh, you know, a person, um, a personal narrative. So for instance, it's, you know, um, uh, very quickly, uh, imagine yourself at your absolute best. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? What do you smell like? What are you saying? What are you wearing? And everything here on in, um, for lack of a better term, judge it according to your personal best self. And if it's not serving you, then it's simply not serving you. You know, know, simple as that. So, you know, what is your absolute, you know, are you on a stage giving a speech and your kids are looking at you, you know, smiling, you know, they're proud. And what do you have on? And how do you look physically? And what are you saying? And whatever. And every time something happens in life, that is that is what you hold the standard to. Because, you know, I work with a lot of couples too that are reconciling and that's a whole nother, you know, division and beast and whatever. Um, and I always say, once you get to this point, once you get to this point, the compassion letter, the personal narrative, your personal best, you, you gotta be very careful because if you, if, you, if you want your spouse to show up as their 2.0 self, you cannot go back to anything less than your 2.0 self. Because obviously, listen, I don't have to tell you, Holly, we're going to get triggered. Betrayal and trauma is nothing that you, that, that you work through until it's over. You live with, you learn to live with. So you're going to have triggers. I mean, oh my Lord, six months down the road, six years down the road, maybe six decades down the road. Um, I always, I, you know, I don't know how much time we have, but I just want to say real quick, yeah, we got a little bit. Imagine, imagine a box with a um, with a trigger button inside the box, and there's a huge ball inside that box. 
Um, I don't know if you ever heard this theory before, but when that button gets triggered, your mind is hijacked and, and you, and you know, your, your, um, parasympathetic kicks in and all this other stuff. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm getting them confused. So, so, so basically what happens is over time with work, the ball in this box that's moving all around and constantly hitting that button, it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller until it's almost the size of a small marble. It's still moving around. It's still once in a while going to trigger that, but it's going to be far less than it was initially and at a far less, um, far less degree of impact. So that's what we have to do is move through these stages so we decrease the size of that ball in that box so it doesn't hit that trigger panic button as much. And when it does, it's something like, okay, that was a trigger. Okay, so A, B, C, and D. And I've learned what to do when this trigger get, happens. No, I love that. Yeah, I've also seen that described with grief kind of similar as, as the ball gets smaller. The yes. ball stays the same, but the ball, you know, so it, that very much relates. And like you said, it's not linear either, you know, nope. even even dealing with the traumas. And <laughs> I was listening to a relationship coach, Sammy Wonder, not too long ago, and she was talking about when we're in relationships, there is even outside of maybe the relationship that caused betrayal, we do grow through relationships. So it's not about like, you have to be hundred percent healed before you get into another relationship. Cause that'll never be, I mean, we will always continually have some triggers, <clears throat> but when we can name what's going on and we get triggered, we may not know in that moment, but we need to be able to own that. That's our trigger that just because somebody stepped on that landmine unknowingly that it's it, it, we really, we don't have the um, validation to then go attack them. We have to go and check in within ourselves. Like, okay, why am I triggered? Is that valid? Cause they could be truly doing something not Absolutely. good yeah. or it could just be something that our perception because of the, the frame of reference that we have is a trigger, but it doesn't mean that it's real. And so really stopping down and doing like the work of Byron Katie and going, okay, is this real? Is this true? How do I know if it's absolutely true? You know, some of these things that we have to do this internal work and not just blame our partners that it's, it's trauma there. We have an obligation to ourselves. Like you said, that self-responsibility to go, yes. oh, this yes. is my trigger. Now I may have to say my self-care is that I have to remove myself for X amount of time and I'll come back and have this conversation. I know it's mine and I'm owning it, but I may not be in a place to have this conversation now. And that's perfectly okay, but you're still owning it to yours because we don't need to go around re-traumatizing other people based off of our own trauma. That's, that's and that's really what for. a lot of people do is they go from relationship to relationship, traumatizing the next relationship, jading the next relationship. And then you have this ripple effect of so many hurt people going around hurting people. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I, um, this is probably a little bit more early on in the stage. Um, I don't know why you triggered uh, a thought of this. Um, triggered in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Good, good <laughs> is one of the things that I have people do is called a um, a self care list, and the reason being is because you know when our mind is getting hijacked, we can't think. You know, our our frontal cortex is not even in the you know it's our our um, uh, amygdala. So basically, I have them make what's called a, um, a just a checklist on self care, and what that means is. List five people you can call right now that you know um, are going to be non-judgmental that'll just listen to your story. Okay, list three babysitters that at a drop of a hat, you can call and say, I need to go for a ride and scream and punch my steering wheel. Um, name, you know, write down 
write down five songs that will immediately lift you out of your funk that you can get. So, so like, it's a bunch of things on that, a bunch of things, all kinds of things on this list, because all of a sudden when you're feeling something, especially in the beginning stages, you can't think your frontal cortex was hijacked. So immediately you need to go to something written so I can say, okay, I'm panting right now. I'm panting. I'm breathing. I'm, I, I don't know what to do. Let me look at my list. Oh, okay. This is something I could do. The, 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 box, you know, breathing technique, breathe in for four, hold, breathe in, you know, hold for four, breathe out for four, hold. So now you have something, a visual, you know, it's right in there. So I highly advise people that are, especially in the beginning stages, have a lifeline list, babysitters, breathing techniques, uh, uh, songs, um, people you can call on that are non-judgmental, spiritual leaders, just write them down because your brain is not going to be logical when it's hijacked. Yeah. Oh, I love that life a lifeline list. We do talk about in Solidate Challenge, figuring out what the core values are. And when you know what those are, kind of build a list of self-care around those core values, because those are the things that are going to bring you joy and happiness and, and that light you up and move you towards thriving. But I love this lifeline list of like people, like, like really even writing their phone numbers down, because when you're in the middle of a trauma response, you, your brain, like you said, you, I mean, it, you can get paralyzed. And so as, as quickly as so on a good day, take time to do that. And like you said, the songs or even like foods that bring you joy or, you know, a, a simple exercise, or maybe there is a YouTube video that, that like a comedy show that makes you laugh, you know, like put the web thing on it. So, so you can get easy access to these lifeline things to elevate you to get you out of that trauma response until like it's the triage it's the triage list (laughs) yes no listen i even have people write down local restaurants that can deliver because sometimes you know i i speak to single parents single mothers and sometimes they're like okay i'll get up to make dinner but i find myself in bed in a fetal position my kids still have to eat so i'll say what are three restaurants locally that you can just pick up the phone and here's the number because the last thing you want to do is like okay, wait a minute. My kids want pizza. No, I want Chinese. How do I look up the number? You're not going to do that. Yeah. You, no, you know, people that. just want to sleep half the time, sleep away their problems, which is a whole nother conversation. But yeah, well, I mean, when you're depressed on top of it, that, that paralyzes you. So I love this lifeline list. I'll definitely be sharing that as well. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on and bringing so many awesome, valuable tips for our listeners. Um, and before um, I, I let you share how they can connect with you, um, is there anything that's just like on your heart, a burning desire that you'd like to share that you felt like you wanted to share, but we didn't get to? And then um, after that, kind of share with our our listeners how they can connect with you. Okay. You know, I just want to say this really quickly. One of the things that, um, that I find so often with people in trauma or betrayed or betrayal trauma is just the feeling of loneliness, being alone, feeling hopeless and helpless. And I just want to say one of the things that I do very quickly is uh, for, year, for years and years, I was a certified special education teacher. And when I did that, I, I used to have to create what's called an IEP for all of my students. And what that is, is an individualized education plan because every student learns differently. Well, I've now applied that to my coaching. So when I talk to somebody, I create what's called an IHP. It's an individualized healing plan because because here's the deal, Holly. And I ask people all the time, all these questions, what's your love language? And if you don't know, I'll give you a test. What's your, um, what's your attachment style? And if you don't know, I'll give you a test. Um, what hand do you write with? Because we live in a, a, a right hand dominated society. Where on the sibling 
um, totem pole are you? Are you a middle child, a first child? Because if you're a youngest child, maybe you don't feel heard. Because I don't want to deal just with the trauma Holly went through. I want to deal with Holly's trauma. And, and, and here's the deal, very quickly, and I'm I, sorry if I'm taking up too much of your time. Hypothetically speaking, let's just say, Holly, your love language is words of affirmation, right? Okay, so, so your love language is words of affirmation. And you discover that your significant other had a one-time tryst because they got drunk and whatever. Now, that's still going to profoundly hurt you, profoundly hurt you. However, it would speak a little differently to you if all of a sudden you found 30 love letters written to them about how they see their future and their eyes and their kids because your love language is, get, is words of affirmation. It's the same thing with like if your love language was physical touch, you wouldn't care if somebody took somebody out to lunch one time on their lunch break, but you would care if they touched each other. So I, want, so I, need, to, I need to deal with your particular healing um, style. So, so that's the one thing is an individual healing plan. And everyone should really think about that, look into that, no matter who they're working with. Other than that, um, my website is the easiest thing as, as far as I'm concerned on earth. It's mrjrelationshipcoach.com. Simple as that. All of my social medias are on there. Uh, I have a YouTube channel, same thing, Mr. J Relationship Coach, where every week I upload a very uh, a free uh, uh, tips and techniques on everything from trauma to dating to love to loss, you name it. Uh, that's on YouTube. But Mr. J Relationship Coach.com, you'll find everything there and how to get a hold of me. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for those tips. I, yeah, I have people do the Enneagram and the Myers-Briggs and things like that. Just all these self-awareness things to get us back to also helps me in coaching and knowing how can I best serve them? Where, what, how do they perceive the world? Where can I meet them at? So I, I love all those tips. So hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on and, and uh, bringing so much value to our listeners today and everybody that is here listening. Thank you so much for being here. If you'd like to connect with Mr. J, the really relationship coach or myself, if you need additional help or care, please connect with us. We both do one-on-one -on -one coaching. And then I also have the Solidate Challenge uh, men's and women's page, um, individual pages, and whatever you identify with, you're welcome in that group. Um, and it is a free group. Our women's group, we have 1,400 women and cover over 24 countries. So this is a global thing where we all need to learn how to love ourselves and get connected to self-care so we can go from surviving to thriving. So thank you so much and you guys have a blessed day. Before we wrap it up for the day, I want to leave you with this question. How are you going to intentionally fill your cup today? We believe you are worth it. We are so glad you joined us today on the Solo Date Challenge podcast. We hope you are leaving inspired and fulfilled. If you like what you heard, please leave a review or comment on the show and share this with the women in your life. Let's face it, we can all use a little encouragement. Feel free to reach out to us directly if you would like to be a guest on the show, have an idea for an episode, or have any questions. We love honest feedback. Until next time, have a blessed day. Today's episode is sponsored by the international best-selling book, I Am, How to Release the Shame of Narcissistic Abuse and Transform Financial Poverty to Wealth Beyond Numbers an international collaborative book project sharing the stories of 14 thrivers, professionally serving people on their journeys out of financial abuse and into abundance. You can purchase your own copy at IamReleasingShame.org. We'd love to read your book review and please share your shame-releasing experiences on social media, tagged with hashtag IamReleasingShame.